The Legal Corner Podcast Series. Welcome to today's episode of The Legal Corner, a podcast which covers a variety of legal issues to keep you informed. Hosted by attorney at law Colin Dinoon and communication specialist Leonardo Torres. It's a pleasure to be with you again for another episode of the Legal Corner podcast series. Unfortunately, Colin wouldn't be with us today. He has other commitments. However, we have another exciting episode for you guys today. Today's episode is entitled The Recognition of Foreign Decrees of Divorce and Nullity. Today, as our guest, we have attorney at law, Ms. Vishala Kedu. And just to give you a bit about her background before we bring her in for today's interview, Ms. Vishala Kedu is an attorney at law at Alpha Chambers and also a junior ordinary member on the Council of the Law Association of Trinidad and Tobago, who was admitted to practice in Trinidad and Tobago and will be called to the bar this year in Guyana. Her areas of practice inexhaustibly include a varied range of legal areas such as criminal, probate, family, civil, and conveyance in law. She's also a holder of a Master's of Law in Corporate and Commercial Law obtained at the University of the West Indies St. Augustine campus in 2021. Ms. Kedu also enjoys marathons, hikes, and occasional badminton. Ms. Kedu, good evening. It's a pleasure to have you with us today. Welcome to the Legal Corner podcast series. How are you doing today? Good afternoon. Thank you so much for having me, Leonardo. Um, Today is fantastic so far. I hope you're having a great afternoon yourself. I am. Thank you very much. So let's jump right into today's episode. As we mentioned before, we're talking today about the recognition of foreign decrees of divorce and nullity. Can you talk to us about the process for a foreign decree of divorce to be recognized in Trinidad and Tobago? Sure. So with all things, we do acknowledge that everyone's circumstances are individual and when it comes to specific types of advice that people are always advised to um, find an attorney and allow them to get that kind of um, understanding with regards to their unique circumstances. But in general, um, you're looking at divorce decrees, which is something that is done by the family courts, that is the jurisdiction in which is competent to um, allow for these to be heard and ordered. And then um, decrees of nullity, which are also things that they are entitled to determine um, where the relevant application is made. So there are circumstances where a nullity could be found. For instance, um, a respondent um, is likely to determine that a decree of nullity is considered where there is avoidable circumstance in relation to a marriage. And that is, in terms of the nature of it, you'd have to consider whether the process had been properly undertaken between the parties. There are circumstances where it could be deemed voidable, voidable, which may be, for instance, where a marriage is not consummated, Um, we both understand the meaning of the word consummated um, being that um, it's not necessarily willful refusal, but simply that it had the act itself had not taken place. Uh, Perhaps if 
um, consent was not given. So there, there's a bit of case law on this type of circumstance. But um, there's also other circumstances that um, venture very deep into whether or not that could be considered for fit for marriage. Um, so we won't go too deep into it. But yes, those are avoidable circumstances. And, um, and also certain steps that need to be settled. And in the case of that, it can be treated as if it um, existed up until the time of a decree. So um, without going too far into it, the process for a decree of divorce, for a foreign decree of divorce to be recognized in TNT, would have to be done via an application to this court, um, paying recognition to the decree that exists in a foreign jurisdiction so as to have this jurisdiction have sight of it and accept it as a document um, that can have effect. Now, it's not the process of giving a foreign court the the power over this court. It is simply um, a position which this court takes in relation to it. Okay, thank you for that. And I know you were touching a bit on nullity. Um, How does that type of um, foreign decree um, differ in terms of process as opposed to divorce? Well, in terms of it being an application, it is simply something that would be acknowledged by this court. So um, are you asking me in terms of the requirements for a decree of divorce as opposed to decree of nullity? Yes, we can get into some of those requirements. Right. So in terms of the applications themselves, what has to be proven are different. So, for instance, when you're looking for a decree of divorce, there is one particular ground that can be satisfied in five different ways within this jurisdiction. And that includes where the respondent has committed adultery um, and the respondent finds it intolerable to live with the respondent, with the applicant. Uh, the respondent has behaved in such a way that the petitioner cannot reasonably be expected to live with the respondent, that the respondent has deserted the petitioner for a continuous period of at least two years, and that is that they are separated and, um, and have not come together within that period of time. And there is consent to that effect. Desertion for, with the petitioner for a continuous period of at least two years, immediately preceding the presentation of the petition, um, living apart for at least two years, and the consent being one of those things. So there's a separate application for where the consent is given and a separate one for where you don't have the consent. And then there's also an application for where they have lived apart for a continuous period of at least five years. So these are, it differs in relation to the nature of the application, what has to be proven by the petitioner. And for nullity, it's it's entirely different because in many ways, these decrees are based on a social contract. Marriage is in a way a social contract where both parties are agreeing to this by virtue of the power of the jurisdiction, the law, and um, for those who have a religious-based marriage um, by virtue of God, that they are together. But there are certain things that can affect that type of contract, which is when nullity comes in. So I have included and mentioned earlier the the concept of um, being able to have this union considered, but intimidation is one of those factors that could be considered where 
the consent for one individual or both to enter into this contract was not had. Um, this could also be affected by being psychologically incapable of entering into it. Um, if they are found to be a person who is incapable of entering into a contract, um, and I'm referring to it as that, but it, I'm saying it very loosely, that that incapacity can be used to nullify a marriage. The This is also found um, without question where the person within this jurisdiction is below the age of 18. Um, to enter into this kind of thing, it's... Um, it's limited now to persons who are considered adults within this jurisdiction. Not all jurisdictions have um, 18 as the age of consent to enter into it. And um, and also for very unique circumstances, such as um, incestuous unions that are bigamous or polygamous. And that is um, also a unique type of, um, of law that we don't usually see often being used to nullify um a marriage because it does not occur too often in society for this to be raised. So I think that would also characterize the nature of the application that has to be done for a decree of nullity as opposed to a decree of divorce. Okay, thank you very much for that explanation. We really appreciate it. Um, what about um, the effect of recognition? What can you tell us about um, that? So when it comes to having it acknowledge within this jurisdiction. It is simply to say that an order that has taken effect from another jurisdiction gives its power to this jurisdiction. It is work that has been done, especially where marriage has been settled abroad or a decree of nullity um, has already been obtained. And either for purposes within this jurisdiction that is necessary, such as, let's say, um, the financial planning or um, maintenance relationship that has to go forward it may be necessary for the purposes of those types of applications either have a continued acknowledgement that this is a position between the parties so as to equip this jurisdiction with the power of of the relevant court um, which would be the family courts to make such decisions continuing um, having the acceptance of that position within a foreign jurisdiction so it simply means to say that the court can then consider that previous order and whatever the clients are seeking to allow this to happen, to allow it to give effect based on that position. Without it, it would essentially um, be a foreign order that does not have the adoption or the acknowledgement of this court. Makes complete sense. Why would someone require their foreign decree to be recognized? One of the easiest examples that is immediately coming to my mind would be a situation where a petitioner wants to be remarried and they want their previous um, marriage certificate and decree of divorce to be acknowledged within this jurisdiction to ensure that there's no difficulties going forward. Essentially, it is simply to have it obtained and have it noted. But again, as mentioned, um, also for the financial provisions for, let's say, any minor children within the family, it may be of assistance that a decree is acknowledged. And and again, for the purposes of the decree of nullity, um, where there's any sort of difficulty that someone is facing, that this is the cause of it, or simply without the declaration of it being um, acknowledged by this court, um, they may be hampered in some way. So 
it is not often that you would see it being necessary other than the fact that there are some sort of provisions that are being sought by either party in terms of continuing their lives or simply to ensure that the continuity of other orders or arrangements that may have existed in other jurisdictions to have it also acknowledged here. Okay, thank you very much for that explanation. So at this point, we're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Okay, welcome back and thank you for staying with us here at the Legal Corner podcast series. Before the break, we were touching on um, foreign decree of divorce and nullity and some of those processes that are required for it to be recognized in Trinidad and Tobago. And we also touched on um, the effects of the recognition and, of course, why someone would want their foreign decree to be recognized. So now we're going to touch on some of those preconditions and the barriers in the second half of today's episode. Ms. Kedu is still with us. Can you talk to us a bit about um, any of those, um, or what are rather the preconditions to recognition? One little point about a situation where within a decree of nullity that such a marriage contract can be considered void. And part of it, and this is more popular with now society having reached the place that it has in recent times, that parties who are of the same sex would not be considered to be having a a proper marriage and that would be void as a result. Uh, Nullity would be something to be considered simply because it is not acknowledged within this jurisdiction and it may very well be an issue to come up in the future. But because it's not considered, parties cannot enter into it. Um, In the future, we may see the issue come about. And as a result, where someone has had a successful same-sex union in a foreign jurisdiction, it would simply not have the acknowledgement within this jurisdiction. So for all intents and purposes, it's as if they are unmarried. Thank you for that explanation. Um, can you talk to us now about any of the barriers that can present themselves as it pertains to a foreign decree of divorce being recognized? Yes. So when it comes to the barriers to a foreign decree of divorce being recognized, it really does come down to the individual circumstances of the party making the application and whether or not, while it also has to be a proper document before the court within that jurisdiction, that would have to be brought down and acknowledged. So there isn't too much in terms of specific things to say, okay, well, this has to be avoided or that. It is simply to identify that where an order of the court has been made properly within that jurisdiction, it would have to be um properly notarized and brought into evidence within this jurisdiction. So the court would simply have to have sight of it. And it is really up to the relevant attorney representing that person as to um, making the proper application and ensuring that it is done. So there are no specific 
barriers per se that could be identified preventing it other than that the proper format has to be done and your rules of evidence are relevant at this point in time to ensure that it is properly before the court. And what about nullity? Any barriers for that one? It is in a similar nature, um, also the process of the court and the process of that respective attorney ensuring the application is done properly. Um, there is no necessary barrier to it. And for instance, in circumstances where it is simply void and cannot be identified, um, you do not necessarily need a decree of nullity in every circumstance. So that would be up to the individual circumstances as to what the position is and whether they can simply go ahead and um, operate as business as usual or whether they do need it in the first place. Okay, so basically, really and truly, there are no real big red flags as it, as it pertains to the barriers. It's just all about following the process. Yes, indeed. Perfect. Well, that wraps up our episode there today. I mean, it was a pleasure having you there today. I'm so happy that we would have had you as our guest today and sharing your wealth of knowledge on this very important topic. And also, you know, if other matters pop up in the future, as we were touching on earlier, we would definitely bring you back on to have another discussion. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. And thank you to all your listeners for continuing to support this wonderful podcast. I do hope to be back on sometime soon and perhaps we would have even more entertaining and challenging topics to go forward. So thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Legal Corner podcast series. For more information, please visit us at our Facebook or Instagram pages or send your comments to the Legal Corner Podcast at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.